This podcast may contain strong language and adult themes, namely planning gruesome and bloody murder. Hmm. You have been warned, this is Perfectly Murderous. Hello and welcome to Perfectly Murderous with myself, Ryan Stevenson, and my good friend, Sandy King. How are you, Sandy? Oi, oi. Yeah, no complaints. No complaints. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, I'm back in my little cupboard <laughs> early in the morning. Everything is as it should be. And as always, always a pleasure to speak to you, Sandy. But I, I have a question. Oh, <laughs> well, that's that's got me worried already. It's always a pleasure, but I have a question. Go on, hit me. I think two episodes ago, we talked about our New Year's resolutions. Oh, yes. And you said you were going to walk up, stop using your, your lift and walk up the stairs to your seventh floor. How are you going? I'm still taking the stairs. I'm still, I haven't even, even returning from a night at the pub. I resisted the temptation to jump in the lift. Wow. Also, I'm about to go away for two and a half months, which will really help with that. (laughs) I don't know if the rules apply to other buildings. I suppose they probably do, but reserve the right to change my mind in the unlikely event that I find myself on like the 20th floor of some (laughs) hotel. It's fine. We can't (laughs) afford those kinds of hotels. Oh, good on you, Sandy. That's, uh, That's really good. Well done. <laughs> so how about you? How are you getting on? Well, I, I, we talked and I said I'd exercise a bit more. And uh, I'm yet to go for another run since the last one. Uh, I think I have a bit of trepidation, perhaps, about <laughs> about failing after a, a couple of kilometres. But, uh, but, but tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow I'm going to go. Well, <laughs> if it's any consolation, the last time I tried to go for a run, I think I barely made it to a kilometre. It had been quite a long time. <laughs> All right, Sandy. Well, last time we read, or we're up to chapter 40, which is quite a way through the book now. And yeah. it was quite a, a warm, sunny outlook to start with. But uh, but what can you remember from the recap? So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a sort of, not much happened in the, in the chapter. It all took place on a, on a Sunday morning. And essentially the, the theme is that he doesn't have anything to do. And we find out how David Stone responds to not having much to do. He wakes up and it's the first time in ages, possibly even years, I don't know, since all of this drama with Anne began, that he's been able to sleep through the full night. And he tries to even get more, but he, he can't quite manage it. His mind is running through various murder-related issues. We find out that he's moved the van, and in a move that I think is going to be significant later on, has put it in the main town car park, because it's free on a Sunday. Uh, there are some church bells ringing, which leads to him having a bit of a freak out about God. And then he freaks out that he's freaked out about God. And then he's bored, so he clears up the whole house, which sort of gets worse before it gets better. But eventually, I don't think he's finished. I don't think it's all sorted, but it's a lot of it's in neat piles and he's making progress. But he's kind of unsatisfied. He's kind of pissed off with himself that he hasn't hasn't done more. Yeah, it's a kind of mood piece. Yeah, it's interesting talking about that, that car park. I had this vision of David Stone kind of writing on his scribbling on his list to move van and then obviously the list is confused and he doesn't quite remember and he rushes down there and the van's got a ticket Mm. and then i don't know something significant happens like he kicks it and puts a dent in it that's then makes it identifiable or something like that yeah i don't know i don't know i don't think it's the be the first time that david stone's received a parking ticket and then curse the traffic wardens and all of their families yeah yeah maybe that's it maybe he punches a traffic warden and ends up detained (laughs) and unable to commit the murder 
Or maybe the murder ends up being the traffic warden. I don't know. <laughs> if you're going to do a murder and then you sneak a traffic warden into the mix as well, then uh, in David Stone's eyes... You're in profit, really, aren't you? Yeah, not mine, not ours. This isn't our viewpoint. In, uh, in David Stone's eyes, I think he's a winner. <laughs> the, the thing that did make me laugh last time was the fact that it was this quite sunny outlook and everything was all right and then church bells... That's all it took just for David Stone to, to lose it. So, yeah. Yeah. He's not in the most balanced state of mind, is he? Let's be fair. He's not. And just another quick interesting point. I think a couple of episodes ago, we talked about whether where our sympathies were with David Stone. And I spoke to a friend who's been listening to the podcast, and they said that they have zero sympathy with David Stone mm. because he's such a dislikable character. And, I, and it couldn't have, I was like, oh, it couldn't have surprised me because, well, David Stone essentially is my dad and I quite like my dad. And I was there for when my stepmom passed away. So I was like, oh, you don't have any sympathy. Mm. And they said, no, <laughs> I really don't. And it made me question whether these pieces are in the story to, to sort of garner sympathy for the reader or whether they're there just to show how unbalanced the character is potentially. We don't have to have sympathy for him. That's an interesting one, yeah. I think I've probably got more sympathy for him because give me bits of backstory about the real-life events that inspired the book. I think if I discovered this book independently, like, yeah, I think actually that's probably quite fair that I wouldn't really have any sympathy for David. He's he's kind of picking fights with absolutely everyone he knows except, except Dan. Yeah. And pushing away a lot of fairly well-intentioned offers for... For assistance as well from the school, from the yeah, um, the son-in-law, all kinds of things. So, and he and he is planning to murder someone as well. That's another important detail. I think <laughs> talking about where people's sympathies lie. <laughs> yeah, it did make me think, and I was like, wow, yeah, I hadn't considered that. But yeah, maybe it's just the story, and the story isn't about sympathy, and it's more just a story about this unhinged character and the path that they've chosen to take. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you ready, Sandy, for chapter 41? For the last time for a little while, hit me. All right. Monday, into action again. Early start to allow for delays. No more frustration with nothing to do today. Out early again. Try a trip at the proper time that I'm going to use on the day of the murder. Collect the van before the wardens get to it. Not free now. Make sure no one sees me. Bloody cold again. Where were my gloves? Frost to clear. Remember to allow for that. Scrape the screen. Engine running, heat everything up, no rear windows in a van to clear, straight out on the road. Time so far, six minutes from house to moving. Traffic still light, motorway traffic fine, all moving, no problems. Drive safe, drive slow, drive normally, don't attract attention. Get there in one piece, think en route, note everything down for a comparison later. I like the, uh, drive normally. Drive normally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking just before we started recording about the difficulty of trying to do things in a, quote, normal way. <laughs> as soon as someone says, act normal, and you're like, ah, yeah, I will. Um, <laughs> what is that again? Be normal. More normal. <laughs> Extra normal. <laughs> it's amazing when you drive, if you try and concentrate on driving, inevitably, it seems your driving will be worse. Yes. It's almost that, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're driving on autopilot, you're naturally driving in a better fashion, perhaps. Yeah, there's a, a, a very similar principle in acting, actually, where when you train to be an actor, one of the things they teach you is to not act. Act less. Do less acting. <laughs> you go, well, but, but, 
I've heard that before. Stop acting. Yeah. Somebody's acting up there. You're acting too much. <laughs> you can't act in here, sir. This is a theatre. Well, it took half an hour to complete the journey. By the way, that's the time it takes to drive to my mum's house. It was done in complete silence. Oh, <laughs> not even the radio on. Concentration etched on his face. I'm a bit disappointed the radio's not on. There's no... um. Yeah, that's not very normal. Yeah, driving home for Christmas. None of that on. So, yeah. <laughs> so quiet you could almost hear his brain working overtime. There was too much to think about and he concentrated on recording everything on or remembering it so he could be recorded later. Keep the journeys constant. Turn off, reached on schedule. Village, same time as last time. House a few minutes later. Both cars on the drive. Good. Turned round. Park up and walk up to the footpath behind the house. Get the checklist out. Check the times again. Write it down. Walk away from the van without anyone noticing. Down the footpath. Too dark for anyone to see me. Act natural. <laughs> <laughs> I like the thought of him walking along a footpath, sort of whistling. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Trying to work out whether his right arm goes forward when his <laughs> left leg is forward or his right leg is forward. <laughs> look at the birds look at the birds don't look at the birds too much <laughs> more normal David you idiot I had a vision of him moving his right arm at, at the same time he moves his right leg <laughs> so, no David less robotic <laughs> <laughs> something isn't right must be more normal <laughs> one very small sentence there caught my attention as well when he says down the footpath mm. because there is a footpath behind my mum's house that's well if you're approaching the house you'd be walking down the footpath so um yeah it's nice to see an author who's really done the research behind that <laughs> i like to think that he's thought of this story and gone well that's that's quite a good story yeah better do the, better better do the research no intention of murdering yeah. <laughs> but he's gonna you know just done a stakeout on the house for, for a week <laughs> exactly he's done a couple of practice drives at, at seven o'clock in the morning just to make sure exactly how long it would take <laughs> I can imagine getting discovered in the bushes by, by, by my stepdad. No, no, it's not what it looks like. It's a book I'm researching. <laughs> it's for a book, I promise. <laughs> Down the footpath. Too dark for anyone to see me. Act natural. Find a hiding place. Don't be seen. Just watch. Finding a suitable spot where he couldn't be seen from the house, he sat in the undergrowth, hidden from view. Shit, it was cold. But he sat fascinated, watching the lights come and go as the couple moved around the house. His pen and notepad at the ready since 6am, dead on time. A few minutes to 6.30 and Ron came out, clears the ice off his car and drives off. She doesn't need to get out so early. Do I presume she works fairly locally? Watching. He was just watching for the next burst of activity. It didn't take long. Sure enough, just after 7 she makes an appearance. No scraping, a squirt of de-icer and again she was away. Neither of them bothered to look out on the road. No one about. Straight out. Bloody dangerous way of driving, but perfect for me. <laughs> it would be, would be a terrible irony if you went through all the planning. And then on the day of the murder, she just pulled out in front of a lorry <laughs> and, and died of natural causes. Can you imagine just throwing his notepad to the floor? Oh, <laughs> 
fuck it. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be so angry. <laughs> If this is a black comedy, that would have to be in there. (laughs) (laughs) Watching them go, he decided to walk down to the house and have a nose around and hope no one spotted him. From a distance, he checked the building. No cameras, no CCTV. That was a relief. When he got to the house, he was pleased to see it had simple locks. And even better, the back door, out of sight of the road. Dog. I can hear a dog. Make sure that was out of the way on the day. Didn't really matter. I would ambush her outside. The dog could do what it wanted, but I'd have to deal with it when I was packing her car. Might even pack the dog as well. (laughs) Just want to say that Hmm. the main entrance to the house is round the back. That's where everyone comes and goes from, essentially. And also, my mum did have a dog at one point, so um, it's it's all there. (laughs) It's good. Nice to have that attention to detail. Yep. Not in any way uncomfortable. No. Simple locks, no CCTV, dog... Back door. Tick, 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 tick. Everything noted down, he walked back, got in the van and drove home, noting the time for the record. The van was parked in a new spot in a side road nearby, making sure no one spotted him. He walked home. As soon as he opened the door to his house, his mind started to go through what he had left to do. Down to the details now. Everything to plan so far. Everything on time, but there was plenty of things still to do. Get rid of the charity shop bags at some point. Out came the list. Order of service. Had to get that organised quickly. Sitting in front of the computer, he found the words of a hymn and his song, their song on the web. Copying these off, he pasted them into the document he was designing. There was a favourite photo of Anne in Egypt, which he pasted onto the front cover, to which he added the date and place of the service. At least it looks professional. The next part was a lot harder for him. He had hundreds of photos of Anne and the family. How am I supposed to choose out of this lot? In fact, it took him the rest of the day to choose just 12 photos to decorate the service sheet. Satisfied, he saved the file and downloaded it onto a memory stick. It was very cold outside, and he looked up to the sky wondering what the weather had in store for him. Cold drizzle. Can't decide whether to rain or snow. Bloody miserable day as usual. In fact, they'd all been bloody miserable days for weeks now. Losing Anne made it all the more miserable. No ray of sunshine anywhere. Walk into town still cold. Scarf needed. There's a a couple of things there. Mm. Firstly, it's been miserable for weeks now. I think yesterday was a nice day. And I think David Stone's forgetting that the sun flooded his bedroom yesterday morning and it was a lovely day. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't think it counts because the church bells got in the way of everything. (laughs) Well, and it kind of reflects his mood, isn't it? The fact that he doesn't perceive that there's been a nice day for this amount of time. We did talk about his, the way he always says that he didn't sleep well Mm. and whether that's actually true or whether it's just his perception. And maybe this is a similar thing. The other thing is, I, I remember the order of service that, that Dad created, because Dad, Dad's a designer, so he put it all together. And yeah, I remember the back cover of the order of service. Mm. And on the, on the day of the funeral, I thought I thought I was really prepared. I thought I knew what I was going to say. Yeah. And when it was my turn to go up and talk, and I remember the order of service, and I hadn't really looked at it. And then I got up there, and it was on the lectern, and i turned it over to the back cover and there were these photos on the back cover and suddenly I just lost all of my words and I was standing in front of a room of just hundreds of people because yeah. they closed the school and you know the, the place was spilling out the back and 
it was really weird sensation. I just remember like these photos just caught me off guard. These sort of family photos that sort of brought back memories. Wow. And I just could not yeah. talk. And this silence just went on forever, it seemed. Oh, man. Yeah. That's such a sort of film moment, isn't it? Yeah. It was the first time I've really had been lost for words. Yeah. And I just couldn't start. And it just it just kept going and going. And eventually I did manage to start. And, and as soon as I found the words, everything was fine. And yeah. the, the order of service just st- sticks in my mind for that. It just really caught me off guard on the day, I think. I hadn't realised that the, the inspiration behind Anne had worked in a school as well. Mm. All of that was is verbatim. Yeah, I think everything to do with Anne, it, it pretty much apart from the name. Pretty much true. And that's it, yeah. The instant printer said the programmes would be ready in the morning. They would deliver them directly to the undertakers so they could be distributed in the chapel before the service started. Pleased that something else had to be ticked off the list, David wandered home, very cold and very wet in the process. Bloody rain just makes you wet. At least snow was pretty. No, don't wish for snow, you might just get it. The fully loaded car was taken round to the charity shop where they were overjoyed with the bags of goodies, which they would spend hours collating, sorting and hanging up for resale. But he was overwhelmed and hugely saddened to see so many of her possessions leaving his life. Goodbye, Anne. Death by a thousand cuts doing it like this. And that, Sandy, is your chapter 41. Again, it's, it's really soon. I mean, it's days after the death. That's very early, especially without the help of family or anything like that. Or, you know, without any time pressure caused by having to travel to where someone lived and needing to get back to work or anything like that. To be at the stage where you're driving there personal items to a charity shop is is pretty intense as grief responses go i mean i know like everyone reacts to grief to bereavement differently and i don't think there is a wrong way to react except possibly planning to murder your (laughs) ex-wife but or or, or maybe not maybe you know maybe there literally isn't one it's just if you go through with it that's that's bad expand your Um, expand your thinking sandy don't be so (laughs) close-minded But yeah, it's really fast. It's really interesting you say that because I talked at the start about uh, a friend who commented on the the podcast, and they said to me, "They haven't had the funeral yet. Why is he doing all this?" Yeah, and that was sort of their their initial reaction. And I said, "Oh yeah," and I I know for a fact in real life that Dad did so much before the funeral and was yeah doing things like that. And I, and I suppose it like you said we. You know, grief affects people in different ways, but I think as well, Dad just mm. he can't sit still. He's that type of personality that he's got to keep moving. He's not one to just plonk down and do nothing and relax, as you can probably tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, very soon, very, very soon, isn't it? It's um, you're right, rearranging and thinking about repainting the house, and the funeral's not even happened yet. And um, it's interesting that you know that could be interpreted by different people in different ways. You know, like you're already trying to, you're already trying to cut her out of your life, or you know, that's how some people could interpret that situation, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's making, he's not wasting any time anyway. All right, so anyway, I think we've got time for just a short chapter, chapter 42. Okay. And uh, and I'll leave you with a little bit of a cliffhanger. I'm bracing myself, yeah, for a dramatic ending. There we go. Well, we've, um, this is the last episode for a while now, with my mum coming to, to stay for a, a little bit and probably... I, I, we shouldn't really record while she's here and um <laughs> and also with yourself going on tour so this is the last episode probably for a couple of months probably not till the start of april sometime that we'll record again yeah all right that's the last all right take it away last one for a while chapter 42 
David was up early again. It was colder now, possibly snow forecast, so he wore a beanie hat pulled down over his ears, and he found an old jacket to wear, the perfect disguise for today. An old jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no one will recognise him with that. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> with the van parked up in a different spot, he needed to collect it before it was noticed or be seen with it. Cold and frosty again. You must remember the van took a bit longer to clear a frost today. Allow for that and buy some de-icer. Must get going. Make sure you get it right. Same procedure, same route, same time. Getting the routine down to a fine arts now. Bugger. I've forgotten to change the plates again. Wasn't on the list. I've completely forgotten to allow time for changing the plates. Stupid mistake. I have to allow for that on the day. Find somewhere close to the motorway to fit the new plates. Time it all. Only a few days to practice. Got to get it right. Putting up in a lane close to the slip road on the motorway, the checklist came out, looking the worst for wear, and he scribbled an extra note on it. Change plates. Find quiet location. Think this will do. Time how long. The note was stuffed back into his pocket, and he looked at his watch to check the time as he rejoined the motorway. Just like to say there's a little quiet lane just by the slip road that leads off by my dad's house that I'm sort of picturing. Do you want to just do you want to just flag up any details in this story which aren't literally true? <laughs> it might save some time. Might... <laughs> Couple of minutes adrift, but it didn't take long to put the new plates on. Speed up, make up the time, but be careful. Don't get pulled. Not when you're so close. No old Bill. Calming down, he drove slower and arrived almost on time. The drive was uneventful, and he parked the van in a new spot. Different coat, different cap. Different route, different footpath, same destination. Different cap as well. That will really throw him off. <laughs> She'll never recognise her ex-husband wearing a cap that was different to the one he was wearing when she didn't see him the day before. Strange, I used to be married to a guy who looked a lot like you, but he had a different hat. <laughs> In fact, actually, she's more likely to recognise him in his old stuff. Because she might have seen it before. <laughs> I love the fact. <laughs> different coat, different cap. Walking along naturally. Act normal, David Stone. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's he's arriving at his destination. And you're thinking this is winter, right? Yeah. So he's arriving at his destination at six o'clock, he said. So it's pitch black in the winter. And yeah. So with my mum's house, it's a little bit away from the village. So I imagine he has to park up and walk probably, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. But just a man walking in the woods in the pitch black by himself is a bit weird. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think he's making the greatest decisions I've ever heard. <laughs> I think of the fact that just nobody's out at the same time as him. <laughs> I don't think anyone's actually seen him yet. So that's probably what's helped him so far. Yeah. Sitting in his favourite hiding place, he made sure he was hidden from view, with a clear view of the house. There was a smile on his face, with some satisfaction as he timed their movements again. Exactly the same as before, same time, same rooms, used in the same order, same departure routine. Even the same careless drive out onto the road. They must be very sure there won't be any other cars on this road. All works like clockwork, all noted down, all ticked off, perfect. Collecting the van, he drove back to his hometown, noting the times again on arrival. The van was parked in a different side street in his hometown. The plates having been taken off out in the countryside. The checklist came out as soon as he was through the door. Getting close now. What have I missed? What was there still to do? 
Get the plates into a large shopping bag first. I'll take them to the van later. Now what? More sorting, more van's possessions to give away. There were lots of cupboards to clear out still. Did I want to start this shit all over again? Not really. But there was something satisfying in getting the house how I want it. Why? Hadn't I liked the house when we were together? No, of course I did. Then why change it? There was something to do, I suppose. Something to keep me occupied. As he looked around the house, it definitely changed character. It was quiet and getting less cluttered. And liked clutter. There were knickknacks everywhere they would have to go. Grabbing a particularly ugly pot on the dresser, he stomped off to the kitchen where he grasped it tightly in his hand. He almost threw it in the bin, but suddenly stopped, frozen in mid-action. What was he thinking? Looking at the pot, he put it carefully down on the worktop. And he absentmindedly tore off a length of kitchen roll and neatly wrapped the pot to protect it. Then found a cardboard box in the cellar and gently put the pot safely in its recesses. David didn't think about what he was doing, really. He went round the house randomly gathering items he didn't like, wrapping them and putting them in the box. What was he going to do with them? God knows. I just want them out of my life. They were Anne's, not mine. When the box was full, he took it down to the cellar and dumped it unceremoniously on the floor. As he came up the stairs from the cellar, he heard someone walk across the dining room stairs above him. The hairs on the back of his neck stood up and he froze. And that's Andy. Is your end of chapter 42. Now this, this, I've... I've suddenly realised that there is an implication of I'm going to leave this on a cliffhanger, <laughs> which I hadn't really considered, which is that it would also be quite annoying for me. You can find out in three months' time. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say, just on an impulse, I'm going to say son-in-law, but I want it to be Detective Robert Steele, Ooh. obviously. I always want more Detective Robert Steele, but I, you know, I think it's going to be more prosaic than that. His stepson does live just around the corner, doesn't he? Yeah. And then you've got Detective Robert Steele. This is a bit of a cliffhanger for me as well, Sandy, because I can't necessarily... I think I have an inkling about who it was remembering the story, but I, I haven't read forward. And... Uh. <laughs> It would be good if it was Robert Steele because we are missing Robert Steele, aren't we? Where is he? It would really, it would really kick the story up a few gears. If if Robert Steele appeared in it for more than two pages, that would be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there are a few possibilities. Then, I mean, there's, I mean, there's Anne who could be there potentially haunting him. There's the stepson. That, that would be quite a twist. <laughs> that I think might take it away from your little interventions of now. This really happened. <laughs> Um. But um, yeah, there's the stepson. There's there's a uh, detective Robert Steele. There is, of course, the possibility that it could be a character that we haven't met yet. That's true. Perhaps some blonde-haired, estranged son. <laughs> that would be a real twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the question is as well, who is it? Yeah. But um, what are they doing there, and what have they seen? So um, yeah. Well, we'll find out after after a little hiatus. <laughs> Unless, of course, you want to buy my dad's book, uh, available at all good bookstores. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, he'd be very happy for that. (laughs) Looking at his stats, that's strange. There was a real upsurge in demand just after January. I had a bit of a heart attack the other night, Sandy. Yeah. I posted the latest episode of the podcast Uh and I was editing and, and uploading it and doing various other bits. And I stayed up a bit later than I should have done. And it was probably about half 11 at, at night. And right. I went off to sleep and I woke up about an hour later, picked up my phone and I just sort of looked at my notifications. And I think about 10 minutes after I posted the podcast, I had two missed calls from my dad and I had that sort of heart attack in the middle of the <laughs> night. Like, oh, fuck like has he found it is that did i send it to him by mistake yeah. did i instead of posting it did i just email it to him? 
and uh, I just thought, no, no, I haven't posted it on Facebook yet. I haven't done that yet. No, um, no, panic over. It's and sure enough, I rang Dad the next day, and uh, he said, "Oh no, I just rang you twice by accident." Just wanted to check what you wanted for your birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just rang you twice in the middle of the night by accident. <laughs> yeah, that is a terrifying accident. Well, the fact I, you get two phone calls, even if you, even if you don't. <laughs> Publish secretly publish a podcast <laughs> taking a slightly tongue in cheek look at your dad's deathless masterpiece. You know, you you you're still not gonna love two missed calls from a parent, an elderly parent and not that elderly, but you know what I mean, in the middle of the night. It's never gonna there's never gonna be a time when that's gonna bring a, a, a con- contented <laughs> smile to your face. In fact I had two missed calls so to accidentally dial someone's number. That that happens, that happens to all of us, right? But then to go, oh I've accidentally called them, oh hang up, oh I'm doing it again. <laughs> so- <laughs> Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> but um, no, so panic over. He hasn't discovered it yet. But it did make me realise. I just kind of don't want him to find it yet. Maybe a little bit down the track. Yeah, it would be different if it's like a complete thing. Be quite nice just to keep this going for a while. So hopefully the uh, the secret will remain for a, a little bit. All right, Sandy. Well, moving away from <laughs> Perfectly Murderous, what have you got to take us away from the darkness of David Stone and the, the deep entrenched reality? Two slightly strange discoveries this week, both of which sort of fall under the category of rampant egotism. <laughs> okay. So um, if you're not a fan of me just, you know, talking about myself, you can probably switch off now and we'll see you in a few months. <laughs> cool. I'll see you later, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been... St- Brutal. So, so good. If you'd had the courage to follow through on that. <laughs> I was looking up uh, one of my favourite American football coaches on Wikipedia oh, yeah. yesterday, and I discovered just by chance that he went to a high school in the small northern Texas town of Big Sandy called Big Sandy High School. <laughs> This fascinated me because as a fellow Big Sandy, I was astounded to discover that there was a a town out there with my name on it. (laughs) I did a bit of digging and I found that they've got quite a good American football team. Is this Lovey Smith you're talking about? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you've you've been on. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing a little bit of reverse engineering. I was like, wait a second. How is Ryan such a massive NFL fan? (laughs) (laughs) He knows the high schools of all current and recent coaches by heart. I forgot that, yeah, I'm not the only one who can Google things. Um, And, yeah, so they've got some really cool-looking game jerseys. Yeah. And I don't think they're for sale because, obviously, it's a high school team. But they say Big Sandy right across the front with a number on. And I need one in my life. So this is an appeal. If anyone happens to live... In uh, northeastern Texas, give me a shout because I've got an errand for you. It involves mugging a high school student. <laughs> Just around the big sandy jerseys, of course. If you if you are listening to this podcast and you live in Texas and you're either either Lovey Smith, you play for that team, you're related to these people, or you're just into theft, then um, yeah, then do contact Sandy on a perfectly murderous at outlook.co.nz. That's it. I got that. I remembered it. <laughs> That's it. I only took thirty episodes, but I finally learned the email address. <laughs> And what was the other thing you were going to say, Sandy? Sorry. So the other thing that came up this week is I mentioned a while back that I'd made a little video in which I changed or I superimposed 
Rishi Sunak, British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, giving a speech over an image of Simon Bird, the actor from The Inbetweeners, who plays the character of Will. That's right. Because I noticed their voices sound exactly the same. And six million people watched that video and it always was a bit crazy for a few days. Uh, I've been sent a clip this week in which the actor Simon Bird, who plays Will on The Inbetweeners, is being interviewed on a Channel 4 current affairs programme and is shown my video. <laughs> asked what he makes of it oh well what was his reaction now now okay so 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 i'm embellishing very very slightly but the clip starts at a point where he's obviously just been shown a video and the image that's up on the screen is the same random picture of him that i use in my video in character and it's in the same kind of uncomfortable aspect ratio so i'm confident in saying that he has at that point in the interview just been shown my video he's just asked and he just laughs and he makes a joke about rishi sunak being an idiot and i sort of feel that at this point that means that it's got to a stage where it's probably been drawn to the attention of rishi sunak as well because he'll definitely have people on his staff whose job is to like keep an eye on the internet and see what the internet's saying about him yeah and so at some point he will be aware of this and i all i can say is i hope it's made his life slightly worse <laughs> simon bird or <laughs> no no wish to <laughs> yeah. I, I, I bear simon bird no ill simon bird is to the best of my knowledge not currently trying to asset strip the national health service in fact sorry to simon bird if you're listening i apologize <laughs> Having drawn the world's attention to the resemblance between your your voice and that tit, Rishi Zuna, it may have made your life slightly worse as well. Oh, I'm really glad that that's actually managed to reach uh, Simon Bird. And like you said, it probably has reached Rishi Sunak. That's pretty cool. All right, Sandy. Well, I think we'll um, we'll call it there. It's a bit of a... I feel a bit emotional because uh, it'd be a while. Well, until we record yeah. the next episode, it'd be probably about three months' time uh, around the start of April that we'll uh, we'll get back into it. And uh, Just imagine how detailed my recap will be. Well, <laughs> when we join back together, we want a recap of the first um, 42 chapters, please, Sandy. 42 chapters. <laughs> the next episode you hear will just be me recapping 42 chapters. <laughs> and we'll find out who's entered David Stone's house uninvited yeah. and uh, is walking across the dining room and what have they discovered and what have they seen and why are they there. So I'll look, look forward to that next time. Yeah, I'll do my best. Have a good, uh, great time with your mum. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, enjoy your time. I really hope you have such a lovely time. And uh, I know it's been a while since you've, you know, had your theatre company up and up and running because of COVID. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I know it's your real passion. So I keep you posted. Yeah, I hope it goes really well for you, buddy. Cheers, man. Really appreciate that. And yeah, we'll talk in the spring. All right. See you soon. Bye bye. All right. Bye. There's a town in Bedfordshire called Sandy and um, the the A1M motorway runs straight through it, which I've driven many times. And every time I see a sign that says, Sandy, please drive carefully. <laughs> and I chuckle to myself and step on the accelerator because <laughs> they're not the boss of me.